0: you're able to be detached to the outcome. You have a preference, you move towards that, you're engaged in the process, you do what you can to get the deal done, but if it doesn't meet your criteria, you thank the other person, and you trust it's not time to do a deal. Welcome to the Fueling Deals Podcast, the podcast that teaches how to accelerate your business growth through all types of deals. It's time to fuel up, so buckle in with your host, Corey Kupfer. There are only two ways to grow your business, organically through sales and marketing and providing great products and services and inorganically through deals. Too many companies focus only on the first way, organic growth. Welcome to the podcast, which will help accelerate your business growth inorganically. My guests are a huge variety of deal makers and experts on all types of deals who have personal experience that can help you grow, get clear, learn best practices and avoid mistakes. We discuss everything from large complex mergers and acquisitions to smaller deals that you could do even without significant capital. Today is a solo cast, and I'm going to be talking about negotiating. Now, we've addressed negotiating on a few uh, prior episodes of this uh, podcast in various forms. There was episode 10 where I talked about key steps to maintain healthy negotiations. And that came out of um, some particular negotiations I was having at the time and some lessons that I thought about. Episode 21, we had Greg Williams on as a guest. uh, And that episode was the art of uh, negotiation and uh, reading body language uh, because Greg Williams is a phenomenal body language reading expert and he provided great value there. And then on episode 31, we had Cindy Watson as a guest and that was uh, uh, an episode on capitalizing on your circumstances to become a successful negotiator. And she's a labor attorney in Canada and does uh, negotiating work with, uh, mainly with women, but uh, gave some general great negotiating advice on that episode as well. Um, but negotiating is such an important part, not only of deal making, uh, but really of uh, business success in general. And I wanted to spend some more time on it. And in fact, I'm going to spend probably the next two or three episodes uh, talking more specifically about negotiating and, and and even more specifically about authentic negotiating, which is my brand of negotiating. Um, many of you know, I have a book out on uh, authentic negotiating, came out a couple of years ago and Amazon was bestseller. Um, but I know that not everybody has read the book uh, and I know that the listeners here uh, you know, may not have, um, especially as we've grown our listener base over this past, you know, uh, uh, whatever it's been, uh, uh, almost a year of uh, podcast episodes. Not everybody has, uh, is that familiar with my negotiating uh, content? And I, you know, I want to bring some of it here. Um, you can always pick up the buck, Authentic Negotiating, um, you know, if you want to read more, uh, it's, um, you know, on Amazon, and all that kind of stuff. And also there's an Audible version. But, Today I want to talk about in this segment. Uh, I'm going to talk about the fundamental framework that I have in my book, and also that I do in my negotiating speeches and trainings and workshops, which I do many of. Um, and you know, would, would, would of course be happy to come to your company or association or organization or entrepreneurs organization or YPO chapter, um, you know, and speak about. Um, So the fundamental framework, so let me take a step back. The the difference between a lot of the work that I do on negotiating, and it comes out of just professionally negotiating for 35 years and studying great negotiators and doing, you know, very significant deals and smaller deals and dispute negotiations and figuring out really what makes a difference. And one of the big differences between authentic negotiating and a lot of the trainings out there is that most of the trainings out there focus on a tactical and strategic level. And, you know, a lot of them were like, okay, here's a, here's a, here are certain tactics, here are certain counter tactics to those tactics, here are counter tactics to the counter tactics. And frankly, uh, as I've uh, discussed in the book and, you know, and, and the other kind I put out, a lot of those are manipulative. And frankly, you know, at a low level, if you're negotiating about somebody with no sophistication and you're in a transactional mode and you don't care about your reputation or what they think, meaning that, that should never be the case. But if that's the case, some of these kind of manipulative tactics, quote unquote, work on a temporary basis. But, um, you know, but, but you really don't want to be doing those. And then even the good tactics, and there are some, there are definitely good strategies and tactics and counter tactics and, and that kind of stuff um, that are useful. But if you put them on top of uh, the base uh, of what I'm going to talk about, the body of internal work that you need to do, uh, and you haven't done that internal work, and you come into a negotiation, for example, in a place of scarcity or desperation of fear, or uh, you know, upset or ego, any of these things. I don't care what tactics you put on top of them, even the good ones, you're not going to be successful. So uh, what I talk about is true negotiating success and the work you need to do that. And the fundamental framework that I have for that is CDE. So it's easy to remember. It's CDE. The C stands for clarity. Clarity is the first fundamental principle. And it's the first one you should focus on. And it's amazing to me how often people go into even multi-million dollar negotiations without the level of clarity uh, that I think they should have. In fact, the, uh, the majority of the time if that if people aren't working with me, uh, they don't. So what does it take to get true clarity? First of all, there's an external body of work that uh, you need to do. Which you know involves research of the market and the party on the other side and the particular negotiator and you know what is fair valuation or terms or whatever for this type of deal um, and all of that external uh, due diligence and research that you want to do to put you in the best best position to know. Um, what you know they are likely to do, what the market is what 's fair, and all that kind of stuff okay and that 's something that frankly people skimp on, but it 's not the one that i 'm most concerned with because smart negotiators will do at least that, but then there 's also an internal body of work to get to a point of clarity and if you are an individual negotiator whether you 're a business owner doing a, you know doing a deal or an executive um, you know or negotiating personally for whether you 're buying a home or a car or anything else. Um, the internal body of work has to do with getting clear on exactly what's acceptable and what's not acceptable to you, meaning what terms are you know, going to work for you, what combination of things are going to work for you, and what's going to not work for you. Because what happens is people rush into this design of strategy uh, for negotiating, but they haven't done that fundamental work. And I, you know, and I and I'll question them on it or I'll prepare a client if I'm if I'm um, either acting as their attorney or, or uh, as a negotiating consultant behind the scenes for them. Well, we certainly working with them if I'm going to handle the negotiation in either of those capacities as a professional negotiator, as an attorney. Um, and we're going to really drill down. Like, what is it that you truly want? What is it? What is the bottom line on all the important terms? Obviously, there's price or cost, but there's also you know might be delivery time of services or goods, uh, you know payment schedules, other non-monetary terms that impact the deal maybe you're selling a company and you want to make sure that your key employees have jobs. Um, you know, th- there's a million, uh, possible terms, but on any given deal, you know, there's probably five or 10 or maybe 15, you know, key terms in a deal that you want to be sure of, uh, you know, um, uh, are there. And if you don't get crystal clear on every single one of them and whether they're acceptable to to you or not, not just only from an external research point of view, but from what it, what it sits in your inner truth on what will work for you and what will not for the deal, then you're in trouble because you don't know how to design a negotiating strategy. You also don't know what to say yes or no to. In the heat of a negotiation, you usually get thrown off. Um, so there's a clarity process that I take people through. One of the many exercises I do in that clarity process Is what I call uh, a true bottom line exercise. A true bottom line exercise, and bottom line could be low, could be high. It's just you know what is what is the the ultimate uh, line at which you know you draw a line, not from some place of upset or anger or ego, from but from a place of clarity. So it's easiest to illustrate with money, although it doesn't always have to be money. But let's say you are selling a company, or selling a product, or you know selling your services. Um, what is the number? So I'm going to use an example of selling a company, but you can think of it in terms of selling a product or service as well. You know, if you bill it 500 an hour or $5,000 for the project, if somebody tries to negotiate down, what's the bottom line number on what you, um, you know, are willing to do? So let's say it's a company. And let's say, I'll often say to clients, hey, you know, all right, what would you like to get for your company? Well, ideally, Corey, I'd love to get $12 million for my company, right? or 1.2 million, or 120,000, just don't get worried about the multiples. It could be 12 billion. It could be the, the principles apply the same. So let's use an example of 12 million. I'd love to get that. Okay, what would you be you know, pretty happy with? Oh, 11 million. What's your bottom line? The, you know, 10 million. Okay, so your bottom line is 10 million. You won't take anything less than that. Nope, I won't take anything less than $10 million. Okay, so now I test this because people often say they have a bottom line on something and it's not their true bottom line. They, it's not their true bottom line because either they haven't been honest with themselves, which is often the case, or they're hesitant to be honest with their professionals. And frankly, I don't have the second problem as much because I have a high level of trust with my clients, but occasionally it comes up with a new client who doesn't know me and we're getting in there. And you know, it certainly comes up with real estate brokers and and, uh, you know, and other kind of brokers in the space where they, you know, they question loyalty and is somebody going to sell me out if they know my true bottom line? What I always say is, listen, if you are working with a professional that you cannot be fully transparent or authentic with, then you shouldn't be working with them. You should find someone else if you possibly can. Let's eliminate that for a second. The, the other big piece is that people think that's their bottom line, but when push comes to shove, they may make a different decision. So I test it with my true bottom line exercise. How do I test it? Well, In the case of money, I call it not a penny less than. So I'll say to them, okay, good. Let's say you have a dozen terms of the deal that are important. You've gotten clarity on every single one of them as to uh, what is acceptable to you. One of those terms is that $10 million minimum uh, purchase price. right? Let's say on the other 11 terms that were crucial out of the 12, you got exactly what you wanted. But instead of getting $10 million, the offer is $9,999,000. $999.99. Yes, I, I truly mean a penny less. When I run negotiating trainings and I ask people this question, and I frankly am sort of setting them up, but but so if you're in one of my workshops, you'll be on to me now. But um, you know, pretty much to a person when I say, well, you know, you get everything else you want. All 11 other terms are exactly what you want, but instead of 10 million, it's nine million, nine hundred ninety-nine, nine ninety-nine, ninety-nine penny less, do you take the deal? And almost to a person, they'll say, of course I do. I'm not going to walk away for a penny. Well, at a surface level, that seems like it probably means the right, it's the right answer. It seems stupid in a, ma- in a micro conversation to lose a deal over a penny. The problem is when you're preparing for a negotiation, you need to have a number that's not a penny less. Why? Because what if it's now, instead of nine, $99,999 and ninety nine. dollars Cents. It's now ninety-eight cents, ninety-seven cents, ninety-six cents. Do you see how, by going down a penny at a time, I could end up at zero? So there's got to be a number that's not a penny less, or if you're paying the money, not a penny more, or if you're delivering goods, not a day more or day less, or or you're locking into an employment or consulting agreement, not a day more or a day less. Uh, And and it's, I mean, literally that level of clarity. So. Once you get to that level of clarity, you can start to design a negotiating strategy. Now, I want to make a distinction that I'll talk a little bit um, in another podcast about when I get to um, the uh, six top reasons that negotiations fail. I want to make a distinction between rigidity, which is one of the reasons negotiations fail, and clarity. What I'm saying is you're not in that place of a penny less from a place of rigidity. So in rigidity, you have like, uh, I'm clenching my fist right now. You can't see it, but you, you have that energy of being stubborn or rigid clarity is, is a very calm place there's no emotion around it there's no contraction around it it's just like no this is my number right can't do less than that right if i if i if it's not um 10 million if it's literally 9 million 999, 999, 999 uh, i'm not going to take it and i'm okay with that so first you get that level of clarity right that's the key base work the second thing you do is, uh, or the second letter in the CDE is, is is a D for detachment. What do I mean by detachment? Detachment means not that you don't care, right? In From what I understand, and I'm far from an expert in, in Buddhist uh, uh, teachings, they don't use the word detachment because they look at that as uncaring, that they use unattached. But I mean it like unattached when I say detachment. I mean, meaning that you are engaged in the process, you can even not only could you, but you should have a preference. If you and I are negotiating a deal, I should have a preference. I get the deal done with you and you with me, because why else are we wasting our time? But ultimately, we need to be detached to the outcome. We need to say, hey, we got super clear in our clarity process on exactly what works for us and what doesn't work for each of us. And we'll either get that or we won't. And if we don't, we are equally or I am you know, equally Okay with not doing the deal as I am doing the deal. And this is an amazing, this is, you know, the simplest maybe concept to understand and one of the hardest ones to actually implement. But every master negotiator I know is willing to walk away from a deal if it doesn't meet their criteria. And by the way, here's the key. They don't do it from a place of upset, anger, ego. They don't come from a place of judgment. You are not a jerk or, you know, or any other bad name I can call you on the other side of the table because we didn't get a deal done. It's just that my objectives on what I need to be willing to do a deal don't meet your objectives on what you need to do a deal right now. Maybe we will do a deal in the future. Maybe we'll never do a deal. Maybe I'm meant to do a deal with someone else now. Maybe it's not time for me to do a deal. So being detached comes down comes down to a, a level of um, a trust, right? To having a deep trust that if you meant to do a deal, you'll do it, if you don't, you won't, right? So you're not in a place of scarcity or, uh, or desperation, which is something we'll talk about in a separate podcast you're able to be detached to the outcome. You have a preference, you move towards that, you're engaged in the process, you do what you can to get the deal done. But if it doesn't meet your criteria, you thank the other person and you trust it's not time to do a deal. The E in the CDE, so we have clarity detachment, the E is equilibrium. What does equilibrium mean? It's that ability during a negotiation to stay centered, to stay calm, to stay connected to your clarity and detachment to not get thrown off in the heat of the negotiation, to not get triggered by something someone else says, you know, your company is not worth half that, or, you know, whatever a tactic, you know, they try to pull on you, you don't get thrown off. And listen, that's also easier said than done. Sometimes we can do great preparation, get clear, think we're going to be in a place of detachment and we get into the negotiation and we get thrown off our equilibrium, we get triggered. And that puts us in in a position where we're in trouble. Because if we get into that place where we're upset, or we're scared, or we're in a place of scarcity, we're afraid to lose the deal, whatever it is, that throws off our equilibrium, then what's going to happen is we're going to lose connection to our clarity, and we're going to be challenged in staying detached. So we talk about ways to keep equilibrium. Now, I will. There's a, there's a bunch of stuff in the book, and in a later podcast, I'm going to talk specifically about my CPR tool um you know when i give talks i say hey if you understand cde which is what i just explained and cpr which i'm going to explain in a later solo cast which is a, a a context purpose and results methodology that i teach um you know you understand those six letters and you're going to be in much better shape to be a great negotiator compared to most people and that's true so but i'll give you one tip on equilibrium right now and that is to say in addition to the CPR tool, which you know, watch out for in a, in a couple of probably a couple of solo casts down the line as they get to some of more, more of these negotiating points. What I will say is, listen, look at what you do to get yourself resented in life. Right. Are you somebody that meditates? Are you somebody who's a runner who goes out to clear the head by running, you know, or exercising in some other way? Are you somebody that uh, needs to call a trusted friend and, you know, talk things out? Are you analytical where you have to make lists of spreadsheets that'll get your head clear? Well, whatever you do to get re-centered in life, to get to a calm place in life, to get reconnected to your truth in life is something that you can use in a negotiation, right? You know, if you are about to enter a negotiation and you're somebody who exercises to get your head clear or meditates, you should probably exercise or meditate before you get in there. And then, if you feel yourself getting thrown off while you're in the room, you know the best simple tip is to is to take a break, say, listen, uh, you know I just need, need some time to think about it, or uh, I need to go to a restroom, or why don't we break for lunch, or you know let's take some time, things are getting heated, let's come back tomorrow, and then it will give you an opportunity one to just step out of the situation, and get some perspective, but also then to go do whatever you need to do, phone a friend, <laughs> you know meditate, et cetera, before you go back into that negotiating room so that is the fundamental framework, clarity, detachment, equilibrium. And I will tell you if you there's a lot to that, right? I'll I'll expand on some of it when I talk about some of the other things I'm gonna talk about in future solo casts. For example, on the six um uh reasons negotiations fail, the top six reasons negotiations fail. We'll delve into that a little more, or you know, the um we're gonna talk about also the um, the five um Uh, steps to being a great negotiator. We'll talk about some inauthentic negotiating techniques at some point down the line, and we'll talk about the CPR framework. But if you are able to get to clarity, detachment, and equilibrium, then you will be honestly at an advantage over 90% of the negotiators. And I don't care what other training they've done, what tactic or, or, you know, or, or class they've taken um, that teaches them uh, count tactics and counter tactics, because you'll be in a position where you're in such clarity and you're detached to the outcome. You're able to stand in your truth and you are calm, and you are clear, and you are listening, which is a key skill in negotiating we'll talk about, and you're going to be in much better shape. So, uh, again, uh, we will get into some of the more practical aspects uh, and ways that you get thrown off your clarity, attachment equilibrium, some ways to... to deal with that and get on track in future solo casts. But for now, I'm gonna uh, leave it at that fundamental framework. Um, if you want more information on it, you can definitely um, you know check out the book, look at some of my other, my other content, certainly reach out anytime uh, if you need some negotiating support. So with that feeling deals, uh, listeners, this is Corey Kupfer. I wanna thank you for tuning in. Remember, there's only one difference between companies that grow inorganically and those that don't. And it's unrelated to size, amount of capital, or any other factor other than that the owners and executives of companies that do deals make a decision to do deals, and then they take action. Well, it's time to refuel. So until next week, Corey Kupfer signing out. Thank you again for tuning in. Be sure to leave Fueling Deals a rating and review on iTunes and Google. Check out all our episodes at fuelingdeals.com to find out more resources to accelerate your business growth.